0: listening to the business of baking podcast with michelle green the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind if you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those then you're in the right place this is an honest straight talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business Fealed by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green.
1: Today in the podcast, we're going to talk about cakers behaving badly, which I feel like sounds like a much more interesting topic than this actually is. <laughs> I just came up with that and it sounds really good. That's not what I'm talking about. I actually want to talk about the stuff that we complain about in relation to our customers, which is actually things we do as consumers. And I don't think we have very much right to complain about them. So join me for today's episode while I talk about the stuff we complain about, which kind of is unfair to complain about. All right, let's jump right in. So the first thing we complain about is that people want to talk about price and we claim that people only care about price that price is the only thing that's important to them and every week i get several emails from people who are like michelle i can't make it in this industry customers always want to screw me down on price or people are always looking for a bargain or all they care about is the dollars or whatever firstly i patently do not believe that that is true So let's just get this off the bat. I don't think that all people always care only about price. I really don't. I think there are times in your life where you do care only about price and that's the only factor you're going to make your decision on. But in the main, when we go to buy things, we don't only think about price. We think about price, we think about location, like availability, is it close to me, can I get it easily, convenience. We think about quality, we think about whether it's exactly what we want, right? So is this a custom thing or could I get this somewhere else? When we make purchasing decisions as consumers, we actually look at a whole lot of different factors. We don't just look about price. But sometimes there are times when we just look at price. The example that I love to use, which I'm pretty sure I've used on this podcast before, is pasta. I really hate pasta. I don't like it. No offense to my Italian friends out there. It's just not my thing. In fact, pizza either. Pretty much Italian food in general, I'll eat it, but I don't love it. So when it comes to buying those kind of products for my family, because kids like to eat pasta, I care about nothing other than price. I don't care about the shape. I don't care about the color of the bag. I don't care about the whatever. If I'm in the supermarket and there is an entire aisle of pasta... I will go for the one that's cheapest, like the one that's like 13 cents a bag. Because as far as I'm concerned, and again, no offense to the artisan pasta makers out there, but pasta is just flour and water to me. And so therefore, when it comes to making that purchase, that's all I really care about. But if we use this example of the supermarket still, while Michelle is pushing her trolley around buying pasta, or hopefully not buying pasta, if I am in the rice aisle, same thing. As long as I get the rice I want, whether that's short grain or long grain or whatever, then once it's the one I want, all I care about is the price. And by the way, rice is my favorite food. So even in rice, price conscious is a thing for me as long as I'm getting the variety I want. But let's take a wander with this trolley down to the ice cream aisle, my personal favorite aisle to hang out in. And when I look in the ice cream aisle, there's these teeny little tubs of like high-end, super expensive gelatos and, you know, Ben & Jerry's or whatever brands, fancy brands, and they are like eight to 10 bucks for this like tiny little pint of ice cream, right? I'm talking eight to 10 Australian, but it doesn't really matter. A lot of money is what I'm saying. Whereas right next to that, I can have this massive, huge, like family sized tub for less than the $8. So when I'm standing in the ice cream aisle, am I thinking about price? Not really. But I would think about price if I was using that for a kid's party. So if I'm going to have a kid's party, I'm going to spend the 3 or $4 and get the big family pack of the crappy vanilla. Yeah. But if I'm going to treat yourself and have a good night in with me and some Netflix and some ice cream and like not share with anybody, you can bet yourself that I am spending the 8 bucks on the teeny tiny container of super ultra premium, mega chuck whatever. So sometimes price matters. But more often than not, way more goes into it than just the price. And when we're talking about a custom product, if you have customers that are coming to you and their wholly and solely single purpose for coming to you is related to price, the question you have to ask yourself is why? Why do they only care about price? And if they only care about price, am I really the right person or am I really the right business to serve these people? Probably not. People for whom price is the only consideration when it comes to something like a cake are really probably also going to be happy at the Costcos and Walmarts and supermarkets and Kroger's and whatever of the world. Because if price is their only consideration, chances are that's not why they came to you. Chances are they came to you because they knew that those things existed, but they wanted something a little bit different or a little bit special. And those things cost But sometimes I think it gets a little bit lost along the way. They see this cake that looks kind of custom made-ish at a local supermarket and they think, oh, I can just go to somebody else and get that same thing. But again, I think if they're going to a small producer, price is not their only consideration. That's not all they care about. Now, some people, they'll think, oh, I could get it from this home-based lady. It'll be cheap. It'll be amazing. I'll get something for nothing. Hooray. And then you will disabuse them of this fact and teach them differently and they will run off and that is totally okay. So we like to look down our noses with disdain at people go, oh, customers only care about price. But the truth is we're customers too in other arenas. And sometimes all we care about is price too. This is true for clothing. This is true for socks. This is true for food. This is true for all kinds of things. There are some times when people, including ourselves, only care about price and it's totally okay. But I think the instances in which that happens are far, far fewer than you actually think. Second thing we hate that customers do, which we do ourselves, is get several quotes. We hate this. We hate when it's obvious that they sent that email both to us and somebody else. Like maybe they sent it to us and our first name is wrong, or maybe they sent it to us and it's obvious that they cut and pasted it from something else, or they're really blatant about it and they CC four other cake makers in that same email. And I see people receive these things and go, this is just terrible. Why is she asking? Oh, she just asked everybody in town. This is so ridiculous. I'm not going to waste my time on this quote. And then just not, you know, and then just not get the deal. Because I'm sure somebody else is going to be cheaper. And we waste a lot of time and a lot of energy getting really upset and getting our knickers and a knot about this idea that people go and get several quotes. But again, let's return to our own shopping habits. And think about the last time you wanted something custom made. You wanted a porch repaired you wanted your car detailed you wanted you know i don't know your house painted you wanted something done you wanted something by a tradesperson done you probably went out and got several quotes most of us probably go out and get two three four quotes we want to know what people are offering at different price points are we searching for the cheapest maybe are we searching for the person who can give us what we want absolutely So we get frustrated and annoyed and we think, I'm not even going to answer that quote because she's asked like four other people. But you know what? She might have asked 20 people. Someone is going to get the gig. And if you don't put your hat in the ring, that person is not going to be you. So rather than get irritated that, oh my God, she sent this quote request to a bunch of people, I would use that as a great opportunity to be the one that stands out. And whether you get the gig or don't get the gig after you send the quote, well, you know. Maybe she picked for different reasons, but if you never send it, you'll never get it. And I have to tell you, I think not replying to that stuff is really rude. Just because you're offended that she asked other people, what, what is that? Don't be offended. That's just pointless. I mean, think about the last time you bought a car. Didn't you go get a couple of quotes or didn't you go to visit a couple of dealerships? Last time you went to a venue, last time you did anything that was big and important to you, you went and got more than one quote, more than one person's opinion or more than one sales pitch. So don't get annoyed when other people do this to you because we do this too. Third thing customers do, which drive us crazy, but we do this also. Actually, this one I think is kind of our own fault, really. They text us like crazy and they want really fast, immediate answers and they get irritated when they don't get an answer quickly. And then they're like, how come I haven't heard from you? And whatever, right? So I think there's kind of like two parts to this. Firstly, I'm not a fan of taking orders by text, although I know that it's the way of the modern world. I personally find it quite unprofessional, but let's not go into Michelle's soapbox here. And the second thing is they want quick answers, and they want quick answers because that is the society we have created in the digital age where we know people have their phone in their pocket pretty much 24-7. We expect that we are going to get an answer 24-7. So if you have a customer who is texting you all the time and demanding answers immediately and you are taking the time to reply to them outside of your stated business hours, then lovey, you got nobody to blame but yourself on this one. You really, really don't. And I have to say, this happens to me, by the way, I get emails about something and people forget that I'm not in the same time zone as they are You know, regardless of whatever time zone they're in, they forget that we're not in the same one. So it's not unusual for me to get up in the morning after six or eight hours sleep and find three emails from the same person still demanding an answer about the same thing. Because they've gone about their day not realizing that I've gone about my night and they want their answer and they want it immediately and they want it now and they're impatient. So part of this is this is the world we live in now. People want immediate answers to immediate things because they can get it usually by Googling it themselves, right? But Where it becomes our problem is when we don't establish any boundaries. So if you're going to speak to customers by text, totally okay. But at five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening, whenever you've decided your office hours are over, you stop replying. You set up an auto reply on your email, on your text, on your Facebook, on your whatever, which says, my business hours are between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Any correspondence received after those hours will be replied to the next morning. And you know what? That's not unreasonable. We don't expect our you know, dentist's office to be calling us at midnight talking about our teeth. We don't expect that the yoga studio down the road is calling us at 11 o'clock to give us their timetable. We don't expect that the principal at our teacher at our kid's school is going to call us at 3 a.m. Because that's when we happen to be thinking about the fact that our kid is doing a test right? So it's not unreasonable to put these boundaries in place. And I think it's necessary to put these boundaries in place. So you cannot complain when people are texting you at all hours of the day and night and demanding an answer at all hours of the day and night, if you are not doing anything to stem that flow, that's a bad situation. And it's one you need to get out of. So, but you've got to control that, right? We teach people how to treat us. And so you've got to teach them to treat you differently. If what you want is differently. I should say too, women have like a big thing about like not wanting to be rude. And this doesn't just apply to women, but I find more often it applies to women. And so if we get a text from somebody, it's like this itch you have to scratch. Like it just makes you crazy until the point where you're like, I have to reply to that. I have to reply to that. Oh my God, if I don't reply, they're going to think I'm rude. They're going to think I'm horrible. I'm going to lose the gig. Oh my God, whatever. And we feel this like desperate need to reply. And it's like that text is calling to us like, Michelle, you must reply to me immediately, right? I've had that too, okay? And in that case, if you don't have an auto-reply set up, you either just hold firm and hold strong and don't reply until the morning, or you reply with, I answer my calls between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. I'll reply to this tomorrow morning, right? If If you really cannot help yourself. And believe me, the compulsion to reply, I totally know that. I totally know that, right? All right, next thing customers do, which drive us crazy, but we do it too, is they have really big ideas and a really small budget or what I like to call champagne taste on a Coca-Cola budget. Nothing irritates a cake maker more than somebody sending them a photo of some like incredible cake. It's like 20 tiers, like a million flowers and it's some spinning, light up, smoke blowing, incredible thing. And we get super excited that we want to make this thing and we just get all, you know, woo oh my God, I get to do it finally. Yay! I've always wanted to do a smoke spewing, blowing up, spinning, a flower, 20 or whatever. And then we ask them their budget and they're like, oh, like 200 bucks. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? It's not gonna happen. And it's, it's really disappointing when these people have these huge ideas and they have this tiny budget or they come to us wanting a quote for something. We give them a quote for a couple hundred dollars and they go, oh, I was really only spent, planning on spending like 30 And you've got to re-educate them about the fact that for 30 bucks, they're not getting anything from you other than maybe like a cup of tea, right? And it's really frustrating and it's really annoying. But a big part of the problem is that the general consumer who's buying from us has no concept of the work required to get the job done. Literally no concept. They haven't decorated themselves. They don't know how to do it. Maybe they watched one too many TV shows where it looks like those people are busting out amazing cakes in half an hour. I don't know. But they don't really know what they're dealing with. And so the only frame of reference they might have on cake might only be that supermarket or that Costco or that whatever. So it's not necessarily their fault that they have a small budget and a big idea, right? Part of this also, let me just freely admit, is that, yeah, we have a sea of people who will do a lot of big things for small amounts. And that's also part of the tide that we're fighting against. But don't get upset when they have a small budget and a big idea, because this happens to us too, all the time. Several times I've gotten quotes for things to get done and I've gone, sorry, you want how much? Or somebody's asked me for a budget on something like, so how much do you want to spend on this? Or how much were you looking to spend on this job? And my answer is always, you know what? I've never had this kind of thing done before. So I'm not really sure what it costs. Why didn't you tell me? A couple of years ago, we were looking at renovating our house and that's exactly what happened. We contacted a bunch of building companies and we were like, hi, oh, so we thought we wanted to do this. We want to do that. We want to do the other. And we discovered that we, you know, very quickly discovered that what little budget we had was basically pointless because we honestly plucked the number out of the sky. And then when we went and spoke to all these builders, their number was two, three, four times that amount of money. But it wasn't that I was trying to get them to do work for the little money I had. It's that I was clueless. And sometimes consumers are just clueless through no fault of their own. They just never had to ask for this kind of thing before. They didn't know cake cost this much. They didn't know pie cost this much. They didn't know whatever. They know they want it. They know they need it. They know they have big dreams. They're not clear on what that costs. My husband was telling me this story. I think it's actually like a joke, like a joke, an engineer's joke, which means it's probably not that funny, but about some factory, you know, some multi-million dollar factory or whatever that came to a grinding halt because the machinery wasn't working. And they tried tried to fix it, tried to fix it, tried to fix it, tried to fix it, couldn't fix it. And eventually they called in this old retired engineer and thought, well, if anybody can fix it, maybe that guy can fix it. So the guy showed up. You know, wandered around, knocked a few of the the barrels, you know, looked at a couple of things, kind of wandered around, had a look, and then walked up and turned a screw quarter of an inch and walked out the door. And the factory started working again. And a couple of days later, he sent his invoice for $10,000. And the owner of the company said, what? You were here 10 minutes and you sent me an invoice for $10,000? Are you out of your mind? There's no way that it's $1,000 a minute. You must be crazy. And the guy said... You didn't pay me for the 10 minutes I was standing there. You were paying me for the knowledge it took that that was the screw that was the problem. And I'm always reminded of that story that it's not the consumer's fault if they don't know what they don't know, right? And we didn't pay that guy. We didn't pay that engineer a whole bunch of money because he was there for 10 minutes. We paid him because he he had the knowledge to fix the problem. And we needed that problem fixed. So you can't complain when customers show up with you know champagne taste on a Coca-Cola budget because sometimes they don't understand that what they have is champagne taste. They Google photos just like everybody else Googles photos, and they don't necessarily look at those photos and think, oh, that one's going to be really expensive. Oh, that one's going to be really cheap. They look at it, they want what they want, and that's what they care about. And the last thing... That admittedly, I have become so much better at this one than I ever was before I owned my own business. Before I owned my own business, I was not good at this. Now that I own my own business, I am very good at this. And we get annoyed when they don't give us feedback. This is probably every maker's worst nightmare. You know, you spend days, weeks, hours, whatever it is, working on this project for a customer. They pick it up or you deliver it and you never hear from them again. And you kind of hold your breath for like the 48 hours after you've delivered this item, just like waiting to hear from them. Like, what if they hate it, you know? And we wait and we wait and we wait and we hear nothing. Now, back in the day, right, when I started my business, it was very common, particularly for bridal couples, but for lots of people, to write handmade or handmade, to write handwritten thank you notes. It was not uncommon. So they'd write handwritten thank you notes and pretty much most orders you'd get, you know, a photo or you'd get a little card or you get some sort of thank you in the mail. Really common. And these days, apparently common decency is thrown to the window and it's really rare to get thank you notes for things, written as in like handwritten ones, yeah? You might get an email. But I find that it's also really rare to get feedback, incredibly rare to get feedback. So what happens is most of us deliver something or the person picks it up. And we just like nervously wait, 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 wait. We try not to do too many nervous poops in the meantime. You know, we wait, wait, wait. And on the one hand, we are desperate for them to get back to us and give us feedback. And on the other hand, we are terrified that they're gonna tell us they didn't like it, or that it fell apart, or that it was dry, or that you yeah, know, whatevs, right? And I notice that this happens all the time. We get really frustrated that people don't give us feedback. And also, we kind of do and don't want them to. It's like a sorry, not sorry situation. So who's at fault here? Is it the decline of, you know, human decency? Or is it that we're not educating people to give us feedback? And the truth is, I think it's both. I think we have lost the art of being grateful. I think we have lost the art of giving positive feedback. And I think to a degree, we as business owners are not doing anything to encourage that feedback. The truth is, if they give you negative feedback, you still want that. That's still helpful. It doesn't feel nice, but it's still necessary and it's still helpful because it makes us into better business owners. So there's two things you can do about this. Rather than just getting irritated and annoyed that people didn't give you feedback and didn't tell you awesome things, didn't help you grow your business, one, ask them for it. Either remind them when they're picking it up or follow up with an email a couple of days later, invite them to leave you a review, invite them to comment back, invite them to send you photos and say, I really want to hear what you have to think. I'm growing my business and feedback's important to me. I'd love to know. So encourage a culture of people giving you feedback. Make sure you stock up on a lot of $8 ice cream in case you get negative feedback, because that's the only way to get through that. So encourage that culture. And the second thing is if you experience good customer service or if somebody provides you with a good product or something you're really happy about or whatever, give, make it a point of pride for you to give that feedback back to the customer, to their boss, to the owner, to whoever, tell people when they give you good service, you had a waitress that was especially good, then on your way out the door, rather than just give her a tip and run off. Find the manager and say, hey, I just wanted you to know she was amazing tonight and she was really helpful. I really appreciate that. If you get exceptional service from somebody at a call center, same thing. Send an email to that company saying, just wanted you to know I spoke to Jane today. She dealt with my problem and she dealt with it really well. If a company gives you the opportunity to fill out a survey after a phone call with them or after visiting their website, do it. Take the opportunity to be the kind of consumers we ourselves want, which are kind, helpful and most of all, who give us the feedback we need. Similarly, if you didn't get a great experience, let that company know so that they can do something about it. The problem we have is that as consumers, when bad stuff happens, we tell the whole world. When good stuff happens, we tell no one. And often, by the way, when bad stuff happens, we tell the wrong person. So rather than go to the company and say, hey, I didn't have a very positive experience here. It wasn't very good. Just letting you know, right? I'm not seeking compensation. I'm just letting you know. We go online, we tell our friends, we bad them to everybody who will listen. So if you want people to give you the respect of giving you good feedback or negative feedback or just feedback in general, then you also need to be that consumer. You know, every day I read emails and Facebook posts and just general social media stuff where people complain endlessly about the behavior of clients, right? Clients behaving badly. But in my world, I don't know that it's clients behaving badly. I think it's just humans behaving badly. And we as business owners are part of that problem sometimes. We really are. We can't expect that people are going to treat us one way. But then when we go out into the wild world, we don't have to abide by those same rules. I don't think that's cool. You know, I just, I really don't. So let this be a reminder to you that if you are wanting people to treat you and your business in a certain way, that it's important that you act that same way out in the real world too. Give people good feedback. Let them know what you think. Get quotes, because that's what we all do, right? And sometimes you're going to care about price. Sometimes you won't care at all, right? You can be like, sky's the limit. Oh, my kid wants that? Oh, really? Sure. I'll pay $300 for that pair of tennis shoes, right? Be the kind of consumer you want your customers to be. We can only make a difference one person in the world at a time. And the person that we should always start with is ourselves. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. As usual, be awesome and have an awesome week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.